We were bored and alone with COVID at play. Nothing to do with our lives through the day. Then we decided to put on a play. Let's try braving the bard. Home, you idle creatures, get you home. Is this a holiday? What, know you not, being mechanical, you ought not walk upon a laboring day without the sign? Why dost thou lead these men about the streets? But indeed, we make holiday to see Caesar and to rejoice in her triumph. Wherefore rejoice? What conquest brings she home? What tributaries follow her to Rome to grace in captive bonds her chariot wheels? You blocks, you stones, you worse than senseless things. Oh, you hard hearts, you cruel men of Rome, knew you not Pompey? Many a time and oft have you climbed up to walls and battlements, to towers and windows, yea, to chimney tops, your infants in your arms, and there have sat the live long day with patient expectation to see great Pompey pass the streets of Rome. And when you saw her chariot but appear, have you not made an universal shout that Tiber trembled underneath her banks to hear the replication of your sounds made in her concave shores? And do you now put on your best attire? And do you now cull out a holiday? And do you now strew flowers in her way that comes in triumph over Pompey's blood? Be gone! Run to your houses, fall upon your knees. Pray to the gods to interment the plague that needs must alight on this ingratitude. Go, go, good countrymen, and for this fault, assemble all the poor men of your sort. Draw them to Tiber banks and weep your tears into the channel till the lowest stream do kiss the most exalted shores of all. See where their basest metal be not moved. They vanish, tongue-tied in their guiltiness. Go you down that way towards the capital. This way will I. Disrobe the images if you do find them decked with ceremonies. May we do so? You know it is the Feast of Lupercal. It is no matter. Let no images be hung with Caesar's trophies. All about and drive away the vulgar from the streets. So do you too where you perceive them thick. These growing feathers plucked from Caesar's wing will make her fly in ordinary pitch. Who else would soar above the view of men and keep us all in servile fearfulness? Calpurnia. Peace, ho! Caesar speaks. Calpurnia. Here, my lord. Stand you directly in Antonius's way when he doth run his course. Antonius. Caesar, my lord. Forget not in your speed, Antonius, to touch Calpurnia, for our elders say the baron, touched in this holy chase, shake off their sterile curse. I shall remember. When Caesar says do this, it is performed. Set on and leave no ceremony out. Caesar. <laughs> Who calls? Bid every noise be still. Peace, yet again. Who is it in the press that calls on me? I hear a tongue shriller than all the music cry, Caesar. Speak. Caesar is turned to hear. Beware the eyes of March. 
What man is that? A soothsayer bids you beware the Ides of March. Set her before me. Let me see her face. Fellow, come from the throng. Look upon Caesar. What sayest thou to me now? Speak once again. Beware the Ides of March. <laughs> she is a dreamer. Let us leave her. Pass. Will you go see the order of the course? Not I. I pray you do. I am not gamesome. I do lack some part of that quick spirit that is in Antony. Let me not hinder, Cassius, your desires. I'll leave you. Brutus, I do observe you now of late. I have not from your eyes that gentleness and show of love as I was wont to have. You bear too stubborn and too strange a hand over your friend that loves you. Cassius, be not deceived. If I have veiled my look, I turn the trouble of my countenance merely upon myself. Vexed I am of late with passions of some difference, conceptions only proper to myself, which give some soil, perhaps, to my behaviors. But let not, therefore, my good friends be grieved, among which number, Cassius, be you one, nor construe any further my neglect than that poor Brutus, with themself at war, forgets the shows of love to other men. Then, Brutus, I have much mistook your passion, by means whereof this breast of mine hath buried thoughts of great value, worthy cogitations. Tell me, good Brutus, can you see your face? No, Cassius, for the eye sees not itself, but by reflection, by some other things. Tis just. And it is very much lamented, Brutus, that you have no such mirrors as will turn your hidden worthiness into your eye that you might see your shadow. I have heard where many of the best respect in Rome, except immortal Caesar, speaking of Brutus and groaning underneath this age's yoke, have wished that noble Brutus had their eyes. Into what dangers would you lead me, Cassius, that you would have me seek into myself for that which is not in me? Therefore, good Brutus, be prepared to hear. And since you know you cannot see yourself so well as by reflection, I, your glass, will modestly discover to yourself that of yourself which yet you know not of. And be not jealous on me, gentle Brutus. Were I a common laughter, or did use to stale with ordinary oaths my love to every new protester? And if you knew that I do fawn on men and hug them hard and after scandal them, or if you know that I profess myself in banqueting to all the rout, then hold me dangerous. What means this shouting? I do fear the people choose Caesar for their king. Aye, do you fear it? Then must I think you would not have it so? I would not, Cassius, yet I love her well. But wherefore do you hold me here so long? What is it that you would impart to me? If it be aught toward the general good, set honor in one eye and death of the other, and I will look on both indifferently. For let the gods so speed me as I love the name of honor more than I fear death. I know that virtue to be in you, Brutus, as well as I do know your outward favor. Well, honor is the subject of my story. I cannot tell what you and other men think of this life. But for my single self, I had to leave not be as live to be in awe of such a thing as I myself. I was born free a Caesar. So were you. We both have fed as well, and we can both endure the winter's cold as well as she. For once, upon a raw and gusty day, the troubled Tiber chafing with her shores, Caesar said to me, Darest thou, Cassius, now leap in with me into this angry flood and swim to yonder point? Upon the word, accoutred as I was, I plunged in and bade her follow. So indeed she did. The torrent roared, and we did buffet it with lusty sinews, throwing it aside and stemming it with hearts of controversy. But ere we could arrive the point proposed, Caesar cried, Help me, Cassius, or I sink! I, as Aeneas, our great ancestor, did from the flames of Troy upon their shoulder the old Anchises bear, so from the waves of Tiber did I the tired Caesar. And this woman is now become a god. And Cassius is a wretched creature and must bend their body if Caesar carelessly but not on them. She had a fever when she was in Spain. And when the fit was on her, I did mark how she did shake. Tis true, this god did shake. Her coward lips did from their color fly, and that same eye whose bend doth all the world did lose her luster. I did hear her groan. 
Ay, and that tongue of hers that bade the Romans mark her and write her speeches in their books. Alas, it cried, give me some drink, Titinius. You gods, it doth amaze me. Another general shout. I do believe that these applauses are for some new honors that are heaped on Caesar. Why, man, she doth bestride the narrow world like a colossus. And we petty men walk under her huge legs and peep about to find ourselves dishonorable graves. Men at some time are masters of their fates. The fault, dear Brutus, is not in our stars but in ourselves that we are underlings. Brutus and Caesar. What should be in that Caesar? Why should that name be sounded more than yours? Write them together. Yours is as fair a name. Sound them. It doth become the mouth as well. Weigh them. It is as heavy. Conjure with him. Brutus will start a spirit as soon as Caesar. Now in the names of all the gods at once, upon what meat doth this our Caesar feed that she is grown so great? Age thou art shamed. Rome, thou hast lost the breed of noble bloods. When went there by an age since the great flood, but it was famed with more than with one man. When could they say till now that talked of Rome that her wide walks encompassed but one man? Now is it Rome indeed, and room enough when there is in it but only one man. Oh, you and I have heard our father say there was a Brutus once that would have brooked the eternal devil to keep her state in Rome as easily as a king. That you do love me, I am nothing jealous. What you would work me to, I have some aim. How I have thought of this and of these times, I shall recount hereafter. For this present, I would not, so with love I might entreat you, be any further moved. What you have said I will consider... What you have to say, I will with patience hear and find a time both meet to hear and answer such high things. Till then, my noble friend, chew upon this. Brutus had rather be a villager than to repute herself one of Rome under these hard conditions, as this time is like to lay upon us. I am glad that my weak words have struck but thus much show of fire from Brutus. <laughs> the games are done, and Caesar is returning. As they pass by, pluck Casca by her sleeve, and she will... After her sour fashion, tell you what hath preceded worthy note today. I will do so. But look you, Cassius, the angry spot doth glow on Caesar's brow, and all the rest look like a chidden train. Calpurnia's cheek is pale, and Cicero looks with such ferret and such fiery eyes as we have seen her in the capital being crossed in conference by some senators. Casca will tell us what the matter is. Caesar, my lord. Let me have men about me that are fat. Sleek-headed men, and such as sleep o' nights. Yond Cassius has a lean and hungry look. They think too much. Such men are dangerous. Let me have men about me that are fat. Sleek-headed men, and such as sleep o' nights. Yond Cassius has a lean and hungry look. They think too much. Such men are dangerous. Would they fatter? But I fear them not. Yet, if my name were liable to fear, I do not know the one I should avoid so soon as that spare Cassius. They read much. They are a great observer. They look quite through the deeds of men. They love no plays as thou dost, Antony. They hear no music. Seldom they smiles, and smiles in such a sort as if they mocked themselves and scorned their spirit that could be moved to smile at anything. Such men as they be never at heart's ease, whilst they behold a greater than themselves, and therefore are they very dangerous. <laughs> I rather tell thee what is to be feared than what I fear, for always I am Caesar. Come on my right hand, for this year is deaf, and tell me truly what thou thinkest of them. Would you speak with me? I, Casca. Tell us what hath chanced today that Caesar looks so sad. Why, then there was a crown offered her, and being offered, she put it by with the back of her hand thus, and then the people fell a-shouting. What was the second noise for? Why, for that, too. They shouted thrice. What was the last cry for? Was the crown offered her thrice? Aye, Mary, was it, and she put it by thrice. 
every time gentler than other, and at every putting by, mine honest neighbors shouted, Who offered her the crown? Why, Antony. Tell us the manner of it, gentle Casca. I can as well be hanged as tell the manner of it. It was mere foolery. I did not mark it. I saw Mark Antony offer her a crown, yet twas not a crown neither, twas one of these cornets. And as I told you, she put it by once, but for all that, to my thinking, she would fain have had it. Then he offered it to her again. Then she put it by again, but to my thinking, she was very loath to lay her fingers off it. And then he offered it the third time. She put it the third time by, and still, as she refused it, the ramblant hooted and clapped their chopped hands and threw up their sweaty nightcaps and uttered such a deal of stinking breath because Caesar refused the crown that it had almost choked Caesar, for she swooned and fell down at it. And for mine own part, I durst not laugh for fear of opening my lips and receiving the bad air. But soft, I pray you. What, did Caesar swoon? She fell down in the marketplace and foamed at mouth and was speechless. Tis very like she hath a falling sickness. No, Caesar hath it not. But you and I and honest Casca, we have the falling sickness. I know not what you mean by that, but I am sure Caesar fell down. If the tagrag people did not clap her and hiss her, according as she pleased and displeased them, as they used to do the players in the theater, I am no true man. What said she when she came unto herself? Mary, before she fell down, when she perceived the common herd was glad she refused the crown, she plucked me ope her doublet and offered them her throat to cut. And I had been a woman of any occupation if I would not have taken her at her word. I would I might go to hell among these rogues, and so she fell. When she came to herself again, she said if she had done or said anything amiss, she desired their worships to think it was their infirmity. Three or four wenches where I stood cried, Alas, good soul, and forgave her with all their hearts. But there's no heed to be taken of them. If Caesar had stabbed their mothers, they would have done no less. And after that, she came thus sad away? Aye. Did Cicero say anything? Aye, she spoke Greek. To what effect? Nay, and I'll tell you that. I'll never look you in the face again. But those that understood her smiled at one another and shook their heads. But for mine own part, it was Greek to me. I could tell you more news, too. Marilus and Flavius, for pulling scarves off Caesar's image, are put to silence. Fare you well. There was more foolery yet, if I could remember it. Will you sup with me tonight, Casca? No, I am promised forth. Will you dine with me tomorrow? Aye, if I be alive and your mind hold and your dinner worth the eating. Good. I will expect you. Do so. Farewell. What a blunt fellow is this grown to be. She was quick metal when she went to school. So is she now in execution of any bold or noble enterprise? However, she puts on this tardy form. This rudeness is a sauce to her good wit, which gives men's stomach to digest her words with better appetite. And so it is. For this time I will leave you. Tomorrow, if you please to speak with me, I will come home to you, or, if you will, come home to me, and I will wait for you. I will do so. Till then, think of the world. Well, Brutus, thou art noble. Yet I see thy honorable metal may be wrought from that it is disposed. Therefore it is meet that noble minds that keep ever with their likes, for who so firm that cannot be seduced? Caesar doth bear me hard, but she loves Brutus. If I were Brutus now, and they were Cassius, they should not humor me. I will this night in several hands in at their windows throw, as if they came from several citizens, 
Writings all tending to the great opinion that Rome holds of their name, wherein obscurely Caesar's ambition shall be glanced at, and after this, let Caesar's seat them sure, for we will shake her, or worse days endure. Who's there? A Roman. Casca by your voice. Your ear is good. Cassius, what night is this? A very pleasing night to honest men. Whoever knew the heavens menace so. Those that have known the earth so full of faults. For my part, I have walked about the streets, submitting me unto the perilous night, and thus unbraced, Casca, as you see, have bared my bosom to the thunderstone. And when the cross blue lightning seemed to open the breast of heaven, I did present myself even in the aim and very flash of it. But wherefore did you so much tempt the heavens? It is the part of men to fear and tremble when the most mighty gods by token send such dreadful heralds to astonish us. You are dull, Casca, and those sparks of life that should be in a Roman you do want, or else you use not. You look pale and gaze and put on fear and cast yourself in wonder to see the strange impatience of the heavens. But if you would consider the true cause, why all these fires? Why all these gliding ghosts? Why birds and beasts from quality and kind? Why old men, fools, and children calculate? Why all these things change from their ordinance, their natures and performed faculties to monstrous quality? Why you shall find that heaven hath infused them with these spirits to make them instruments of fear and warning unto some monstrous state. Now could I, Casca? Name to thee a woman most like this dreadful night that thunders, lightens, opens, graves, and roars as doth the lion in the capital. A man no mightier than thyself or me in personal action, yet prodigious groan and fearful as these strange eruptions are. Tis Caesar that you mean, is it not, Cassius? Let it be who it is. For Romans now have thews and limbs like to their ancestors. But woe the while, our fathers' minds are dead, and we are governed with our mother's spirits. Indeed. They say the senators tomorrow mean to establish Caesar as a king, and she shall wear her crown by sea and land in every place save here in Italy. I know where I will wear this dagger then. Cassius from bondage will deliver Cassius. Therein, you gods, you make the weak most strong. Therein, you gods, you tyrants do defeat. Nor stony tower, nor walls of beaten brass, nor airless dungeon, nor strong links of iron can be retentive to the strength of spirit. But life, being weary of these worldly bars, never lacks power to dismiss itself. If I know this, know all the world besides. That part of tyranny that I do bear, I can shake off at pleasure. So every bondman in their own hand bears the power to cancel their captivity. And why should Caesar be a tyrant then? Poor woman. I know she would not be a wolf, but that she sees the Romans are but sheep. She were no lion, were not Romans' hinds. Those that with haste will make a mighty fire begin it with weak straws. What trash is Rome, what rubbish, and what awful when it serves for the base matter to illuminate so vile a thing as Caesar. But, O oh grief, where hast thou led me? I perhaps speak this before a willing bondman. Then I know my answer must be made. But I am armed, and dangers are to me indifferent. You speak to Casca, and to such a woman is no fleering telltale. Hold my hand. Be factitious for redress of all these griefs, and I will set this foot of mine as far as who goes farthest. There's a bargain made. Now know you, Casca, I have moved already some certain of the noblest-minded Romans to undergo with me an enterprise of honorable, dangerous consequence. And I do know by this they stay for me in Pompey's porch. For now... This fearful night, there is no stir or walking in the streets, and the complexion of the element in favors like the work we have in hand, most bloody, fiery, and most terrible. Stand close a while, for here comes one in haste. 
To Cinna, I do know her by her gate. She is a friend. Cinna, where haste you so? To find out you. Who's that, Metellus Simber? No, it is Casca. One incorporate to our attempts. Am I not stayed for, Cinna? I'm glad, aunt. What a fearful night is this. There's two or three of us have seen strange sights. Am I not stayed for? Tell me. Yes, you are. Oh, Cassius, if you could but win the noble Brutus to our party. Be you content. Good Cinna, take this paper and look you lay it in the Praetor's chair where Brutus may but find it. And throw this in at his window. Set this up with wax upon Br- old Brutus's statue. All this done, repair to Pompey's porch where you shall find us. Is Decius Brutus and Trebonius there? All but Metellus Simber, and she's gone to seek you at your house. Well, I will hie and so bestow these papers as you bade me. That done, repair to Pompey's theater. Come, Casca, you and I will yet ere day see Brutus at her house. Three parts of her is ours already, and the man entire upon the next encounter yields her ours. Oh, she sits high in all the people's hearts. And that which would appear offense in us, her countenance, like richest alchemy, will change to virtue and to worthiness. Her and her worth and our great need of her you have right well conceded. Let us go, for it is after midnight, and ere day we will wake her and be sure of her. What, Lucius, ho! I cannot by the progress of the stars give guess how near today. Lucius, I say. I would it were my fault to sleep so soundly. When, Lucius, when? Awake, I say. What, Lucius? Called you, my lord? Give me a taper in my study, Lucius. When it is lighted, come and call me here. I will, my lord. It must be by her death. And for my part, I know no personal cause to spurn at her but for the general. She would be crowned. How that might change her nature, there is the question. It is the bright day that brings forth the adder and that craves wary walking. Crown her that, and then I grant we put a sting in her that at her will she may do danger with. The abuse of greatness is when it disjoins remorse from power. And, to speak truth of Caesar, I have not known when her affections swayed more than her reason. But tis a common proof that lowliness is young ambition's ladder whereto the climber upward turns her face— But when she once attains the utmost round, she then unto the ladder, turns her back, looks in the clouds, scorning the base degrees by which she did ascend. So Caesar may, then lest she may prevent. And since the quarrel will bear no color for the thing she is, fashion it thus, that what she is, augmented, would run to these and these extremities, and therefore think her as a serpent's egg, which hatched, would, as her kind, grow mischievous and kill her in the shell. The taper burneth in your closet, ma'am. Searching the window for a flint, I found this paper thus sealed up, and I am sure it did not lie there when I went to bed. Get you to bed again. It is not day. Is not tomorrow the Ides of March? I know not. Look in the calendar and bring me word. I will. The exultations whizzing in the air give so much light that I may read by them. Brutus, thou sleepest, awake and see thyself. Shall roam, etc. Speak, strike, redress. Brutus, thou sleepest, awake. Such instigations have been often dropped where I have took them up. Shall roam, etc. Thus must I piece it out. Shall Rome stand under one man's awe? What, Rome? My ancestors did from the streets of Rome the Tarquin drive when they were called king. Speak, strike, redress. Am I entreated to speak and strike? O Rome, I make thee promise if the redress will follow. Thou receivest thy full petition at the hand of Brutus. Lord, March is wasted fifteen days. Tis good. Go to the gate, somebody knocks. Since Cassius first did wet me against Caesar, I have not slept. Between the acting of a dreadful thing and the first motion, all the interim is like a phantasma or a hideous dream. The genius and the mortal instruments are then in council, and the state of man, like to a little kingdom, suffers then the nature of an insurrection. Lord, tis Cassius at the door who doth desire to see you. Are they alone? No, there are more with them. 
Do you know them? No, my lord, their hats are plucked about their ears and half their faces buried in their cloaks, that by no means I may discover them by any mark of favor. Let him enter. They are the faction. Oh, conspiracy, shamest thou to show thy dangerous brow by night when evils are most free? Oh, then, by day, where wilt thou find a cavern dark enough to mask thy monstrous visage? Seek none, conspiracy. Hide it in smiles and affability, for if thou path thy native semblance on, not Erebus itself were dim enough to hide thee from prevention. I think we are too bold upon your rest. Good morrow, Brutus. Do we trouble you? I have been up this hour, awake all night. Know I these men that come along with you? Yes, every man of them. And no man here but honors you. And every one doth wish you had but that opinion of yourself which every noble Roman bears of you. This is Trebonius. She is welcome hither. This, Decius Brutus. She is welcome too. This, Casca. This, Cinna. And this, Metellus Cimber. They are all welcome. What watchful cares do interpose themselves betwixt your eyes and night? Shall I entreat a word? Here lies the east. Doth not the day break here? No. Oh, pardon, it doth. And yon gray lines that fret the clouds are messengers of day. I shall confess that you are both deceived. Here, as I point my sword, the sun arises, which is a great way growing on the south, wane the youthful season of the year, some two months hence up higher toward the north. She first presents her fire, and the high east stands as the capital directly here. Give me your hands all over, one by one. And let us swear our resolution. No, not an oath. If not the face of men, the sufferance of our souls, the time's abuse. If these be motives weak, break off betimes, and every man hence to their idle bed. So let high-sighted tyranny range on till each man drop by lottery. But if these as I am sure they do, bear fire enough to prick us to redress? What other bond than secret Romans that have spoke the word and will not palter? And what other oath than honesty to honesty engage that this shall be or we will fall for it? Swear priests and cowards and men, caudalous, old, feeble carrions, and such suffering souls that welcome wrongs unto bad causes swear such creatures as men doubt— but do not stain the even virtue of our enterprise, nor the insuppressive metal of our spirits, to think that or our cause or our performance did need an oath, when every drop of blood that every Roman bears, and nobly bears, is guilty of a several bastardy if he do break the smallest particle of any promise that hath passed from her. Shall no one else be touched, but only Caesar? Decius, well urged. I think it is not meet Mark Antony, so well-beloved of Caesar, should outlive Caesar. We shall find of him a shrewd contriver, and you know his means, if he improve them, may well stretch so far as to annoy us all, which to prevent, let Antony and Caesar fall together. Of course will seem too bloody, Caius Cassius, to cut the head off and then hack the limbs like wrath and death and envy afterwards. For Antony is but a limb of Caesar. Let's be sacrificers, but not butchers, Caius. We all stand up against the spirit of Caesar, and in the spirit of men there is no blood. Oh, that we then could come by Caesar's spirit and not, not dismember Caesar. But, alas, Caesar must bleed for it. And, gentle friends, let's kill her boldly, but not wrathfully. Let's carve her as a dish fit for the gods, not hew her as a carcass fit for hounds. And let our hearts, as subtle masters do, stir up their servants to an act of rage and after seem to chide them. This shall make our purpose necessary and not envious, which so appearing to the common eyes we shall be called perjurers, not murderers. And for Mark Antony, think not of him, for he can do no more than Caesar's arm when Caesar's head is off. Yet I fear him, for in the engrafted love he bears to Caesar. Alas, good Cassius, do not think of him. If he loves Caesar, all that he can do is to himself. Take thought and die for Caesar. And that were much he should, for he is given to sports, to wildness, and much company. There is no fear in him. Let him not die, for he will live and laugh at this hereafter. Peace, count the clock. 
The clock hath stricken three. Tis time to part. But it is doubtful yet whether Caesar will come forth today or no, for she is superstitious grown of late. Quite from the main opinion she held once of fantasy of dreams and ceremonies. It may be these apparent prodigies, the unaccustomed terror of this night, and the persuasion of her augurers may hold her from the capital today. Never fear that. If she be so resolved, I can oursway her. For she loves to hear that unicorns may be betrayed with trees, and bears with glasses, elephants with holes, lions with toils, and men with flatterers. <laughs> but when I tell her she hates flatterers, she says she does, being then most flattered. Let me work, for I can give her humor the true bent, and I will bring her to the capital. Nay, we will all of us be there to fetch her. By the eighth hour, is that the uttermost? Be that the uttermost, and fail not then. Caius Ligarius doth bear Caesar hard, who rated her for speaking well of Pompey. I wonder none of you have thought of her. The morning comes upon us. We'll leave you, Brutus. And friends, disperse yourselves, but all remember what you have said, and show yourselves true Romans. Now, good Metellus, go along by her. She loves me well, and I have given her reasons. Send her but hither, and I'll fashion her. Brutus, my lord. Portia, what mean you? Wherefore rise you now? It is not for your health thus to commit your weak condition to the raw, cold morning. Nor for yours neither. You've ungently, Brutus, stole from my bed. And yesternight at supper you suddenly arose and walked about, musing and sighing with your arms across and when i asked you what the matter was you stared upon me with ungentle looks i urged you further then you scratched your head and too impatiently stamped with your foot yet i insisted yet you answered not but with an angry wafture of your hand gave sign for me to leave you so i did fearing to strengthen that impatience which seemed too much enkindled and withal hoping it was but an effect of humor which sometime hath his hour with every woman. It will not let you eat, nor talk, nor sleep. And could it work so much upon your shape as it hath much prevailed on your condition, I should not know you, Brutus. Dear my lord, make me acquainted with your cause of grief. I am not well in health, and that is all. Brutus is wise, and were she not in health, she would embrace the means to come by it. Why, so I do. Good Portia, go to bed. Is Brutus sick? And is it physical to walk unembraced and suck up the humors of the dank morning? What? Is Brutus sick? And will she steal out of her wholesome bed to dare the vile contagion of the night and tempt the roomy and imperjured air to add unto her sickness? No. My Brutus, you have some sick offense within your mind, which by the right and virtue of my place I ought to know of. And upon my knees I charm you. By my once commended beauty... By all your vows of love and that great vow which did incorporate and make us one that you unfold to me. Yourself, your half, why you are heavy. And what men tonight have had resort to you? For here have been some six or seven who did hide their faces even from darkness. Kneel not, gentle Portia. I should not need if you were gentle, Brutus. Within the bond of marriage, tell me. Brutus, is it expected I should know no secrets that appertain to you? Am I yourself, but, as it were, in sort or limitation, to keep with you at meals, comfort your bed, and talk to you sometimes? Dwell I but in the suburbs of your good pleasure? If it be no more, Portia is Brutus's harlot, not her wife. You are my true and honorable wife, as dear to me as are the ruddy drops that visit my sad heart. If this were true, then should I know this secret? Tell me your counsels, I will not disclose them. I have made strong proof of my constancy, giving myself a voluntary wound here in the thigh. Can I bear that with patience and not my partner's secrets? Oh, you gods, render me worthy of this noble wife. Hark, hark one knocks. Portia, go in a while, and by and by thy bosom shall partake the secrets of my heart. All my engagements I will construe to thee, all the charactery of my sad brows. Leave me with haste. Lucius, who's that knocks? 
Here is a sick woman that would speak with you. Caius Ligarius, that Metellus spoke of. Girl, stand aside. Caius Ligarius, how? Vouchsafe good morrow from a feeble tongue. Oh, what a time have you chose out, brave Caius, to wear a kerchief. Would you were not sick. I am not sick if Brutus have in hand any exploit worthy the name of honor. Such an exploit have I in hand, Ligarius, had you a healthful ear to hear of it. By all the gods that Romans bow before, I here discard my sickness. Soul of Rome, grave ones derived from honorable loins, thou, like an exorcist, hath conjured up my mortified spirit. Now bid me run, and I will strive with things impossible. Yea, get the better of them. What's to do? A piece of work that will make sick men whole. But are not some whole that we must make sick? That must we also. What it is, my Caius, I shall unfold to thee as we are going, to whom it must be done. Set on your foot, and with a heart new-fired I follow you to do I know not what. But it sufficeth that Brutus leads me on. Follow me, then. Nor heaven nor earth have been at peace tonight. Thrice hath Copernia in her sleep cried out, Help, ho, they murder Caesar. Who's within? My lord. Go bid the priests do present sacrifice and bring me their opinions of success. I will, my lord. What mean you, Caesar? Thank you to walk forth. You shall not stir out of your house today. Caesar shall forth. The things that threatened me ne'er looked but on my back. When they see the face of Caesar, they are vanished. Caesar, I never stood on ceremonies, yet now they fright me. There is one within, besides the things that we have heard and seen, recounts most horrid sights seen by the watch. A lioness hath whelped in the streets, and graves have yawned and yielded up their dead. Fierce, fiery warriors fought upon the clouds, in ranks and squadrons and right form of war, which drizzled blood upon the capital. The noise of battle hurtled in the air. Horses did neigh, and dying men did groan, and ghosts did shriek and squeal about the streets. Oh, Caesar, these things are beyond all use, and I do fear them. What can be avoided whose end is purposed by the mighty gods? Yet Caesar shall go forth, for these predictions are to the world in general as to Caesar. When beggars die, there are no comets seen. The heavens themselves blave forth the death of princes. Cowards die many times before their deaths. The valiant never taste of death but once. Of all the wonders that I yet have heard, it seems to me most strange that men should fear seeing that death... A necessary end will come when it will come. What say the augurers? They would not have you stir forth today. Plucking the entrails of an offering forth, they could not find a heart within the beast. The gods do this in shame of cowardice. Caesar should be a beast without a heart if she should stay at home today for fear. No, Caesar shall not. Danger knows full well that Caesar is more dangerous than they. We are two lions glittered in one day, and I the elder and more terrible, and Caesar shall go forth. Alas, my lord, your wisdom is consumed in confidence. Do not go forth today. Call it my fear that keeps you in the house, and not your own. We'll send Mark Antony to the Senate house, and he shall say you are not well today. Let me upon my knee prevail in this. Mark Antony shall say I am not well, and for thy humor I will stay at home. Here's Decius Brutus. She shall tell them so. Caesar, all hail! Good morrow, worthy Caesar. I come to fetch you to the Senate House. And you are come in a very happy time to bear my greetings to the Senators, and tell them that I will not come today. Cannot is false, and that I dare not, falser. I will not come today. Tell them so, Decius. Say she is sick. Shall Caesar send a lie? Have I in conquest stretched mine arms so far to be afeard to tell Greybeards the truth? Decius, go tell them Caesar will not come. Most mighty Caesar, let me know some cause, lest I be laughed at when I tell them the so. The cause is in my will. I will not come. That is enough to satisfy the Senate. But for your private satisfaction, because I love you, I will let you know. Calpurnia here, my wife, stays me at home. 
She dreamt tonight she saw my statue, which, like a fountain with a hundred spouts, did run pure blood, and many lusty Romans came smiling and did bathe their hands in it. And these does she apply for warnings and portents and evils imminent, and on her knee hath begged that I will stay at home today. This dream is all a misinterpreted. It was a vision fair and fortunate. Your statue spouting blood in many pipes, and which so many smiling Romans bathed, signifies that from you great Rome shall suck reviving blood, and that great men shall press for tinctures, stains, relics, and cognizance. This by Copernia's dream is signified. And this way have you well expounded it? I have, when you have heard what I can say. And know it now. The Senate have concluded to give this day a crown to mighty Caesar. If you shall send them word you will not come, their minds may change. Besides, it were a mock apt to be rendered for someone to say, Break up the Senate till another time, when Caesar's wife shall meet with better dreams. If Caesar hide herself, shall they not whisper, Lo, Caesar is afraid? Pardon me, Caesar, for my dear, dear love to your proceeding bids me tell you this, and reason to my love is liable. How foolish do your fears seem now, Calpurnia. I am ashamed I did yield to them. Give me my robe, for I will go. And look where Publius has come to fetch me. Good morrow, Caesar. Welcome, Publius. What, Brutus, are you stirred so early too? Good morrow, Casca. Caius Lucarius, Caesar was never so much your enemy as that same ague which hath made you lean. What is it o'clock? Caesar, tis struck an eight. I thank you for your pains and courtesy. See, Antony that revels long a nights is not withstanding up. Good morrow, Antony. So to most noble Caesar. Bid them prepare within. I am to blame to be thus waited for. Now, Cinna. Now, Metellus. What? Trebonius. I have an hour's talk in store for you. Remember that you call on me today. Be near me that I may remember you. Caesar, I will. And so near will I be that your best friends shall wish I had been further. Good friends, go in and taste some wine with me. And we, like friends, will straightway go together. That every like is not the same. Oh, Caesar, the heart of Brutus earns to think upon. The Ides of March are come. Aye. Caesar. <laughs> but not God. What said Popilius Lena? She wished today our enterprise might thrive. I fear our purpose is discovered. Look how she makes to Caesar. Mark her. Casca be sudden, for we fear prevention. Brutus, what shall be done? If this be known, Cassius or Caesar never shall turn back, for I will slay myself. Cassius be constant. Popilius Lena speaks not of our purposes, for look, she smiles, and Caesar doth not change. Trebonius knows her time, for look, you Brutus, she draws Mark Antony out of the way. Where is Metellus Cimber? Let her go and presently prefer her suit to Caesar. She is addressed. Press near and second her. Casca, you are the first that rears your hand. Are we all ready? What is now amiss that Caesar and her senate must redress? Most high, most mighty, and most puissant Caesar, Metellus Cimber throws before thy seat and humble heart. I must prevent thee, Cimber. These couchings and these lowly courtesies might fire the blood of ordinary men, and turn preordinance and first decree into the law of children. Be not fond to think that Caesar bears such rebel blood, that will be thawed from the true quality with that which melteth fools. I mean sweet words, low crooked courtesies, and base spaniel fawning. Thy brother, by decree, is banished. If thou dost bend and pray and fawn for him, I spurn thee like a cower out of my way. No, Caesar doth not wrong, nor without cause will she be satisfied. 
Is there no voice more worthy than my own to sound more sweetly in great Caesar's ear for the repealing of my banished brother? I kiss thy hand, but not in flattery, Caesar, desiring thee that Publius Cimber may have an immediate freedom of repeal. What, Brutus? Pardon, Caesar. Caesar, pardon! As low as to thy foot doth Cassius fall to beg enfranchisement for Publius Cimber. I could be well moved if I were as you. If I could pray to move, prayers would move me. But I am as constant as the northern star, of whose true fixed and resting quality there is no fellow in the firmament. The skies are painted with unnumbered sparks, they are all fire, and every one doth shine. But there's one in all doth hold her place, so in the world. Tis furnished well with men, and men are flesh and blood, and apprehensive. Yet in the number I do know but one, that unassailable holds on her rank, unshaked of motion, and that I am she. Let me show a little, even in this, that I was constant Simber should be banished, and constant do remain to keep him so. O oh, Caesar. Hence, wilt thou lift up Olympus? Great Doth Caesar. not Brutus bootless kneel? Speak, hands for me. At two, Brute. Then fall, Caesar. Liberty, freedom, tyranny is dead. Run hence, proclaim, cry it about the streets. Some to the common pulpits and cry out, liberty, freedom, and enfranchisement. People and senators, be not affrighted. Fly not, stand still, ambition's debt is paid. Go to the pulpit, Brutus. And Cassius, too. Where's Publius? Here, quite confounded with his mutiny. Stand fast together, lest some friend of Caesar should chance. Talk not of standing. Publius, good cheer. There is no harm intended to your person, nor to no Roman else. So tell them, Publius. And leave us, Publius, lest that the people rushing on us should do your age some mischief. Do so, and let no man abide this deed, but we the doers. Where is Antony? Fled to his house amazed. Men, wives, and children stare, cry out and run as it were doomsday. Fates, we will know your pleasures. That we shall die, we know, tis but the time and drawing days out that men stand upon. Why, she that cuts off twenty years of life, cuts off so many years of fearing death. Grant that, and then is death a benefit. So are we Caesar's friends that have abridged her time of fearing death. Stoop, Romans, stoop, and let us bathe our hands in Caesar's blood up to the elbows and besmear our swords. Then walk we forth even to the marketplace, and waving our red weapons o'er our heads, let's all cry, Peace, freedom, and liberty. Stoop then and wash. How many ages hence shall this our lofty scene be acted over in states unborn and accents yet unknown? How many times shall Caesar bleed in sport that now on Pompey's basis lies along no worthier than the dust? So oft as that shall be, so often shall the knot of us be called the men that gave their country liberty. What shall we for? Aye, every man away. Brutus shall lead and we will grace her heels with the most boldest and best hearts of Rome. But here comes Antony. O oh, mighty Caesar, dost thou lie so low? Are all thy conquests, glories, triumphs, spoils, shrunk to this little measure? Fare thee well. I know not, gentle ones, what you intend. Who else must be let blood? Who else is rank? If I myself, there is no hour so fit as Caesar's death's hour, nor no instrument of half that worth as those your swords made rich with the most noble blood of all this world. I do beseech you, if you bear me hard now, whilst your purpled hands do reek and smoke, fulfill your pleasure. Live a thousand years, I shall not find myself so apt to die. No place will please me so, no mean of death as here by Caesar, and by you cut off the choice and master spirits of this age. Oh, Antony, beg not your death of us. Though now we must appear bloody and cruel as by our hands, and this our present act you see we do, yet see you but our hands, and this the bleeding business they have done. Our hearts you see not. They are pitiful, and pity to the general wrong of Rome, as fire drives out fire, so pity, pity, hath done this deed on Caesar. 
For your part, to you our swords have leaden points. Mark Antony, our arms in strength of malice and our hearts of brother's temper do receive you in with all kind love, good thoughts, and reverence. Your voice shall be as strong as any man's in the disposing of new dignities. Only be patient till we have appeased the multitude, beside themselves with fear, and then we will deliver you the cause why I, that did love Caesar when I struck her, have thus proceeded. I doubt not of your wisdom. Let each man render me his bloody hand. First, Marcus Brutus, will I shake with you. Next, Caius Cassius, do I take your hand. Now, Decius Brutus, yours. Now, yours, Metellus, yours, Senna, and my valiant Casca, yours. Though last, not least in love, yours, good Trebonius. Gentlemen all, alas, what shall I say? My credit now stands on such slippery ground that one of two bad ways you must conceit me, either a coward or a flatterer. That I did love thee, Caesar, oh, tis true. If then thy spirit look upon us now, shall it not grieve thee dearer than thy death to see thy Antony making his peace, shaking the bloody fingers of thy foes, most noble, in the presence of thy corpse? Had I as many eyes as thou hast wounds, weeping as fast as they stream forth thy blood, it would become me better than to close in terms of friendship with thine enemies. Pardon me, Julius. Here wast thou bade, brave heart. Here didst thou fall, and here thy hunters stand, signed in thy spoil and crimsoned in thy leaf. O oh, world! Thou wast the forest to this heart, and this indeed, O world, the heart of thee. How like a deer, struck in by many princes, dost thou here lie. Mark Antony. Pardon me, Caius Cassius. The enemies of Caesar shall say this. Then, in a friend, it is cold modesty. I blame you not for praising Caesar so. But what compact mean you to have with us? Will you be pricked in number of our friends, or shall we on and not depend on you? Therefore I took your hands, but was indeed swayed from the point by looking down on Caesar. Friends, am I with you all, and love you all, upon this hope that you shall give me reasons why and wherein Caesar was dangerous. Or else were this a savage spectacle. Our reasons are so full of good regard that were you, Antony, the son of Caesar, you should be satisfied. That's all I seek. And am, moreover, suitor that I may produce her body to the marketplace, and in the pulpit, as becomes a friend, speak in the order of her funeral. You shall, Mark Antony. Brutus, a word with you. You know not what you do. Do not consent that Antony speak in her funeral. Know you how much the people may be moved by that which they will utter. By your pardon, I will myself into the pulpit first and show the reason of our Caesar's death. What Antony shall speak, I will protest. He speaks by leave and by permission. And that we are contented, Caesar shall have all true rites and lawful ceremonies. It shall add advantage more than do us wrong. I know not what may fall. I like it not. Mark Antony, here. Take you Caesar's body. You shall not in your funeral speech blame us, but speak all good you can devise of Caesar, and say you do it by our permission, else shall you not have any hand at all about her funeral. And you shall speak in the same pulpit whereto I am going after my speech is ended. Be it so. I do desire no more. Prepare the body then, and follow us. Oh, pardon me, thou bleeding piece of earth, that I am meek and gentle with these butchers. Thou art the ruins of the noblest man that ever lived in the tide of times. Woe to the hand that shed this costly blood! Over thy wounds now do I prophesy that mothers shall but smile when they behold their infants quartered with the hands of war, all pity choked with custom of fell deeds, and Caesar's spirit, ranging for revenge, with eight by her side comes hot from hell, shall in these confines with a monarch's voice cry havoc and let slip the dogs of war, that this foul deed smell above the earth with carrion men groaning for burial. You serve Octavius Caesar, do you not? I do, Mark Antony. Caesar did right for her to come to Rome. She lies tonight within seven leagues of Rome. Post back with speed and tell her what hath chanced. Here is a morning Rome. A dangerous Rome, no Rome of safety for Octavius yet. Hi, Henson, tell her so. Yet stay a while. Thou shalt not back till I have borne this corpse into the marketplace. 
There shall I try, in my oration, how the people take the cruel issue of these bloody men, according to the which thou shalt discourse to young Octavius of the state of things. Lend me your hand. 